Welcome to the Questions of Faith podcast. I'm Brad Stevens here with Dr. Timothy Laredo. And the question that we will be asking him today is, how do I live for God in an ungodly world? Yeah, so we're going to outline four biblical principles for ways in which that we can live for God in an ungodly world. These are really practical, uh, but I believe really helpful uh, ways that we can understand how we can live for God in the midst of a wicked day. We have definitely heard before that we live in unprecedented, wicked times. Well, are they as wicked as we think they are? And also, is a desire to live for God enough? Or should there be more? We're going to talk about that today in our episode. So getting right into this question, uh, we we live in a terrible and wicked world. I mean, the Bible says that Satan is the prince of this world, Mm -hmm. and he can promote, Mm -hmm. and he can lift up people as he chooses. Mm -hmm. And so as we live in this world, how are we to live for God Mm -hmm. in a world that is completely utterly ungodly yeah. and, and strives to be that. It seems at times that the world's just against us. Mm. Yeah, at some level it seems uh, hopeless, impossible, mm-hmm. uh, something that that we can't really do. Um, but first, I do want to dispel the myth that I think a lot of modern-day Christians uh, especially in America, have fell into and believed is it's this myth that our generation is living in unprecedented times of wickedness. Mm, okay. And that's not true. Uh, and it's something that I really believe a lot of people have, modern Protestant Christians have fallen into this this myth of, oh, our times are so wicked, and this is the most unprecedented time of evil, and we are living in such hard times, and I just kind of want to push back against that a little bit and help us to have maybe a little bit broader perspective, uh, both of church history and of, uh, you know, what scripture describes uh you know i mean we'll just start with scripture but like like is right now really worse than the days of noah like yeah yeah for sure you're like i don't know maybe yeah. but maybe not too uh-huh. right I totally you know, see where you're coming right from like is it really right now worse than sodom and gomorrah mm-hmm. i mean yeah maybe but, be. but 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 what went on in sodom and gomorrah is Going on today, it is the reason that city was destroyed. Sure, is the reason. Sure, problems today. Uh, and you yeah. know, um, uh, so so you're right. But to that, I want to just say that th- our times aren't unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Like it's a really good thought. It's it is bad, and it is getting worse, and will continue to get worse. And we shouldn't be uh, surprised by that, or be shocked by the fact that the world is continually getting more and more wicked. That's well, what the world does. Throwing right? back to our previous episode on social media, mm. we do get to, I think, see wickedness mm, yeah. in a increasingly um, quick fashion. Sure, uh, if I can sure. say it that yeah. way. I mean, w- wickedness is at our fingertips, yeah. literally. Yeah. So not necessarily what we can get ourselves into, but to see what's going on sure, in the world. Sure. So that could probably lend to the fact that we see more wickedness mm, in a way. Yeah, being exposed to it, sure. Yeah, exposed. Yeah, and, and I think on some level that's true. That's very accurate. 
but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's any more so than in times yeah past, i guess huh. i guess i just want us to to not have a woe is us mentality a church mentality a christian mentality of oh it's so bad right now it's so hard to live for god right now it's never been this hard to live for god it's never been this rough and i just want to say uh, let's not have a pity party <laughs> about where we're at. Like, yes, it's bad, but it also... Or use it as an excuse. Exactly, yeah. It, like, there is plenty of examples of other uh, Christians in different periods of time who have had to face just as hard, if not harder, test of faith in the midst of hard times in an ungodly world. I mean... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? I mean, Daniel standing against uh, in Babylon. Um, and then, you know, church history, you know, is filled with examples of uh, people who are literally martyred for the faith, you know. Um, if, I don't know if you've ever read Fox's Book of Martyr or not, mm, but yeah. it's this account of first century and, and onward of of Christians who have faced increased persecution and, and hardship that, um, you know, while that is going on in some areas of our world today, China and other places that are facing, for the American church, we don't have to deal with quite as much of that right now. Now, it is getting worse, and religious liberties and all of that stuff is, is something that is a concern, but... I just want us to not fall into the mindset of that our current state is somehow so much worse than what other Christians of other periods have dealt with and gone through to to recognize the reality of, yes, we are living in an ungodly world, but we're not the first generation of Christians to live in an ungodly world, and we uh, should not be approach living in an ungodly world from a mindset of oh this is this is undoable um because it's not uh, we can live for god in an ungodly world and we have literally thousands of years of testimony to yeah. the fact that we can by the power of the spirit live for god in an ungodly world well i kind of this is kind of a, a side note, yeah. major side trail here, okay. but I have seen this narrative play out of all this wickedness, we must be in the end times. Mm, yeah. And that kind of, I'm kind of second guessing though right now after you've made these, these yeah. statements that, not saying we're not, but mm -hmm. uh, how can we know? Sure. Maybe I should yeah. come at it from that Yeah, point. so World War II, uh, Nazi Germany, Hitler, uh, you know, that invasion of wickedness across the world, people, this that's the end of, of end times, mm. you know. Um, you know, farther back in history, Nero and his, uh, you know, persecution of the church, like, there is that mentality that every generation of the church believes it's the last generation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it, it, that really has been the precedent from the very first church, um, you know, to to today, where every church period wants to view itself as living in the end times and it being the worst of possible times. And uh, you know, it's possible that we're living in the last days, but at the same time. I want us to 
have a broader perspective to understand that we're not the first to live in an ungodly world, that that we're not the first to have faced the difficulty and the hardship of living for God in the midst of a wicked generation. And at some level, I don't know how that feels for other people, but for me specifically, that gives me some comfort. That gives me a level of assurance that I'm not the first generation. I'm not living in unprecedented times, but other people of other generations have been through wicked days and made it through and continue to live for God in the midst of oppression, in the midst of an ungodly society. And so we can too, right? We can too. And not to not to um, minimize the wickedness of this day, but to just to put it in a broader perspective to help us to understand this truth that the same spirit that empowered the first church and all churches, you know, all, all of church history uh, to uh, continue in the face of ungodly, uh, in an ungodly world, that God will do the same for us, that He will empower us to live uh, for Him in the midst of an ungodly world. Uh, and uh, I, I recently uh, preached a message and it just comes to my mind uh, about. Uh, from First Timothy, where it talks about uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, and that 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 word fear literally just means uh, cowardly. God has not given us a cowardly spirit, but of power and of love and of sound mind. But so yes, we are living in wicked days and an ungodly generation. But even in the midst of that, to recognize that we are not given a spirit of cowardice, we we don't need to be afraid of the wickedness of our day or to back down and think this is somehow abnormal that no one else has ever gone through this and and so we we what are we going to do uh we're going to do the same things mm. that every generation yeah that every generation has done in the midst of living in ungodly generations and um we don't have to cower back or be afraid of the wickedness of our day um, but to uh, stand boldly and to live for God. And so uh, we're going to uh, outline some principles um, of what it looks like to live for God in the midst of an ungodly generation uh, that I believe will be helpful for us. Well, now that we have set the scene that the sky isn't truly falling in relation to wickedness falling mm-hmm. upon us, and there's nothing we can do about it, but um, we do live in evil and wicked times, mm-hmm. but so have generations before. Sure, yeah. So what are some of these principles that we can use to combat this wickedness and how mm-hmm. we can live for God in an ungodly world? Yeah. The first principle I'd like to point out uh, for us is if we want to live for God in an ungodly world, we've got to get our eyes off of the world. Okay. <laughs> and I know that's super... Our focus shouldn't be solely upon the wickedness. Yeah, like I know that's a super simple thought, but this idea of the one who got their attention and focus and their eyes on this world 
is always going to have a hard time living for God. And I don't mean that to be harsh, but like I I've know of people who are always struggling to live for God. They're always, you know, like, oh, it's so hard to live for God and all this. But they're continually filling their lives with things of this world. They're continually looking and, and filling their hearts and their passions with things of this world. And I want to be like, do you not see a correlation here, right? Like, the reason why you're having such a hard time is because you're constantly filling your heart and your mind with the things of this world. And so it's not a shock or surprise that it's hard for you to live for God because you're constantly viewing and uh, have your attention and your focus and your passions, your loves around things of this world. And so uh, it really shouldn't come as a surprise that those who may be struggling with uh, living for God in an ungodly world when they're constantly filling themselves with the things of this world. And the one who doesn't have their eyes on God and their affections on things that are set above, right? That's what uh, we're instructed in the Scripture, to set our affections on things above and not on things of this earth. The one who has their affections on this world is going to find it very hard to live for God, right? Um, and the truth of the matter is that living for God has nothing to do with the condition of our present world, but has everything to do with the condition of our heart. So, you know, the, the wickedness around us is not the thing that makes it harder to live for God. So if I have a heart that's wavering, that is uh, that that wants to love God, but also wants to love the things of this world, that that wants to be with Jesus on Sunday, but wants to do whatever it wants to do on Monday, that the wickedness of this world is not the problem. The problem is their heart. Their heart that is uh, infatuated by the things of this world. And so whether the wickedness of this world is worse tomorrow or it's the same or it's better tomorrow, that doesn't change their heart. No, not at all. Yeah, do you you understand Mm -hmm. the point that that I'm trying to make? So what would be the the combative move then to Mm. place our heart closer to Christ's heart? Mm. Uh, Would it be sanctification? Yeah. Like a continual walking forward to Christ and away from the world? Yeah, so ultimately that is a work of sanctification that the spirit wants to do in us to uh, draw us into a deeper loving relationship of God to love the Lord God with all your heart your mind soul and strength love your neighbors yourself um, and the answer to living in an ungodly world is not to be oh I need to uh, if only I lived in a, a society that it wasn't as wicked, I would do better. And I want to say, no, we we live for God, and we love Him, and we love Him with all of our heart. And if we live love Him, it doesn't matter the condition of the world around us. Um, your society shouldn't dictate your amount of love for Christ. Exactly, exactly. And, you know... Christians that complain about the darkness of this world, uh, 
it's like light complaining about the darkness around it. <laughs> like, it's not the darkness's fault that it's it's dark. Th- yeah, it's yeah. the the lack of light that is sinners are going to sin. Right, and we shouldn't be surprised about that or uh, shocked about that in any way, shape, or form. What we should be concerned about is the fact that Christians are not shining the light. Mm. And if there's more darkness, it's it's it really is an indictment upon us uh, and not it's not the darkness's fault. And so we should clearly isn't. though be concerned about when that wickedness though starts to creep into our churches. Yes, and into our own lives mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and, it, it will first come into our life and then happens enough people that will affect our church culture. Sure, exactly. And so that happens when we as a church and we as individuals get our eyes on the world. Like we begin to uh, look to the world for our uh, source of hope and pleasure and uh, our security and all these type of things. Um, And instead of looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, but putting our faith in these uh, carnal, worldly things will result in uh, our being, uh, you know, straying from what God would have us to be. And so, this principle of if we want to live for God in an ungodly world, we've got to start by looking at ourselves and looking at where we're at and saying, okay, uh, Am I am I looking to Jesus as the source of my hope and the source of my contentment? Uh, we got who is our moral authority? Yeah, thrown back to last episode. Yeah, um, or am I have I got my eyes on the things of this world? And because I've got my eyes on the thing, things of the world, I'm worried and focused on all this wickedness, and I'm not realizing that uh, I'm missing the point. Like, I've got to uh, get my eyes onto Jesus. And Paul talks about that. Uh, he says, I want you to understand that in the last days, they're going to be perilous or difficult or hard. Um, and he gives this, this description, um, uh, you know, there's going to be uh, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, uh, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy. He goes down this long list, and he tells us that we are to avoid these things. And we've got to recognize that if we are going to live for God in an ungodly world, there's got to be this this separation, this of our affections, of our hearts, desires, away from the things of this world. And, um, you know, there's this popular saying, you know, well, you got to be like them to win them, right? And it's just a complete um, unbiblical approach to how we should live in this world. We need the idea is, oh, we need to live ungodly in this world so that we can help people to live godly, <laughs> right? I mean, that's just totally, there. yeah, it's totally wrong. Um, the opposite, it needs to be the truth. Like, if we're going to live uh, in this ungodly world, we've got to live godly in order to help others, people to recognize the truth and to see the light. And the way that we got to do that is we've got to get our eyes. Uh, our focus, our attentions, our loves, our passions onto the things of God and away from the things of this world. 
so so Paul gives this list of things that will happen in the last days, and mm. as you were listing them off, I kind of thought, well, hasn't it always been that way? Mm. And are, are has it always been the last days? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the last days are something that uh, is something that we are to be cognitive of. That we are. Our, as Christians, we need to be aware that the coming of the Lord could happen at any time, and that we are living in the last days now. Uh, the church has been living in the last days as this this period of time in which God is uh, offering grace, this period of time in which God is uh, opened up uh, His means of salvation to the Gentiles and all. It has always been this period of the last days okay. in that perspective. Um, now, there is coming a time ahead, which is the uh, time in which the Antichrist is going to rule and, and wickedness will. That will truly be an unprecedented time of wickedness. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're not there yet, right? Um, and so we need to be cognitive of the fact that we are living in wicked times and we are continuing to live in wicked times from the first church to this period um, and to guard ourselves and recognize that if we're going to live in for God in this ungodly world, that uh, it involves living in dangerous times. Moving on to our second principle, what are we to follow? Yeah, so if we want to live for God in uh, an ungodly world, we have to be people of prayer and of the word. And again, I know this isn't like super deep revelatory stuff, right? <laughs> this is not anything that is new material to us. But I find it um, sad and somewhat indicting that like we're living in ungodly times and we have as a church as a whole, in a state where we pray less and we read the Word of God less than we ever have before. And I'm not saying that as though, uh, as a blanket statement that is unprovable, but like there is real statistic evidence that the church as a whole prays less and reads the Word of God less than it has in previous generations. Um, that is, there's going back to Christ. Uh, going, going back to the well, we don't have stats on that well, that far yeah, back, but okay, I mean, okay. just just in 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 recent periods. Okay, okay. Uh, the church is mm -hmm. is continually uh, showing evidence of the fact that it is reading the Word of God less and praying less than it has in previous generations. Mm -hmm, okay. um, so then, in a way, though, we are at an unprecedented time for I illiteracy mm, spiritually within the church, then you're mm, saying. Uh, we're in a, not unprecedented, but a dangerous, dangerous. place. Yeah. Okay. Um, there has, I mean, you look at the Middle Ages and other times in church history uh, where the Word of God was not read and not mm. known. Um, mm -hmm. Even you go back to the book of Judges, where though the word of God was scarce in those days. So it, it's not okay. unprecedented, mm -hmm. so, but it is dangerous. Kind of going back to this cycle, though, again, this right. has happened before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But what? Uh, even though this has happened before, what are we going to do mm. about it? How are we going to live for God in an ungodly world that is 
reading the Word of God less and praying less. What are we to do? We are to read the Word of God and to pray, right? No way. Yeah, right? I know it's so basic, but it's something that um, it's, it's a, I see a correlation between this first principle that we talked about, about getting our eyes off of the world. They need to go to something. Yeah. The reason why we get our eyes on the world and off of God is because we haven't been exactly we haven't been praying and we haven't been reading the word of God. So you're saying that we need to be intentional because our eyes are going to drift and our life's going to drift somewhere. Yes. So if we take control of it instead of letting our human nature, right. We're going to be for the better. Right. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I see people struggling in their faith, struggling with temptation, with fear, with, uh, being drawn by worldly passions. And, I ask, you know, are you praying? Are you reading the Word of God? And it's this, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so uh, what I, I see a lot of times is this this view of prayer as this opportunity to ask this cosmic genie for a favor, like viewing prayer as this, hey God, quarter in gumball out. Yeah, I need this. And so let's let's I'm going to pray about it because I have a need, right? And while that is a part of prayer, if that's your main interaction with prayer, it's it's just a very shallow approach to what prayer is. Um, and a, another, I see a lot of people viewing prayer as this, you know, this duty that I have to do instead of a get to. Yeah, and approaching prayer as this uh, marking it off this to-do list and if i can get it off this to-do list well then i've been a good christian for the day right and i've done my duty i've talked to god and it's just this misconception of what we're really needing to do in prayer but recognizing that prayer is this this spirit empowering moment that is where the human and the divine are connected and where the spirit of god is able to infuse within my spirit life that it needs and the life that it needs in order to live for god in this ungodly world it's necessary yes it's 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 so critical that the one who doesn't live in this is going to continually to struggle to live for God in an ungodly world um, because it's the lifeblood of the Christian uh, and the means by which we're able to live for God in an ungodly world is we have to have that connection with God, this relationship with God that's more than a relationship of a cosmic genie, right? Just give me what I need to get through, right? Just give me what I need to make it instead of this relationship of, uh, you know, uh, one of a father or this relationship of one which desires to know God, right? Prayer is about, about my spirit connecting with the spirit of God to have this relationship that I could know God. And have this relationship, and um, we're afforded this opportunity mm-hmm. 
Um, but it's up for us to take it. And honestly, it's to our benefit because mm-hmm. in those moments of prayer and seeking after the Lord and his spirit, agreeing with our spirit, in a way, we get more than just the times sure. that we're just coming begging for this situation or oh, this yeah. need. Yeah. And um, uh, it's, 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 it's to our benefit. Yeah. And it, it, it's this empowerment to help us to live for God in the midst of wickedness. I mean, you see plenty of examples of this in Scripture, um, but one that just comes to my mind is Daniel. You know, uh, he's commanded to not pray, right? And if he does, there's going to be consequences, right? And for Daniel, prayer is such a normative thing. It's something that he does, uh, Scripture tells us three times a day, like this is what mm-hmm. he does. It's his life. Mm-hmm. and even in an ungodly situation, it doesn't change his approach at all. It doesn't face. He he opens the windows. I mean, <laughs> yeah. publicly, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm doing right. what I've been doing. Right. And I'm going to continue to do. Right. And, um, you know, in our society today, the devil doesn't need a lion's den. All he just needs is to give us a busy schedule and we'll completely lose our our understanding of how important this prayer is to living for God in an ungodly world. Um, if he can just fill us with things to do, and well, maybe we got the prayer on the to-do list, you know, but it was just one of a hundred other things we had to do. We are failing to recognize prioritize. Well, yeah, and just recognize that. Oh, this prayer thing is necessary. Is the thing that's going to keep me mm-hmm. in living for God and following Him in the midst of an, an ungodly world that I've got to do a lot of other things in. Uh, I've got to. I've got to keep prayer and the Word as the central thing for living for God in an ungodly world. You wouldn't just walk into a radiation mm. area, yeah. you know, just with uh, flippantly, you know, sure. just in your everyday um, uh, clothes. No, you you, you prep, you yeah. get ready, yeah. you put on the suit, you put on the gas mask, mm. and then you go forward prepared. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how much more so should a Christian walk into the world yeah, without yeah. being prepared? Yeah, and I think a lot of times uh, we we fail to view prayer and the Word of God as that spirit preparation for living in an ungodly world, but simply view it as something that, um, you know, is good, that we need to do, and yeah, I recognize it's important, but don't see its necessity for living for God in an ungodly world. And so, um, you know, this idea of you know, um, approaching this ungodly world without having that prayer and that word of God within us. The living word. Yeah, we're applicable. setting ourselves up for mm-hmm. failure mm-hmm. in living in this ungodly world. Mm-hmm. Uh, to your metaphor of preparing, you know, we haven't prepared to live in an ungodly world. And so, you know... Why should we be surprised yeah. when we're drawn away? Yeah, why should the person who doesn't prepare be shocked when this 
ungodly world is affecting them in such profound ways. Yeah. And they're struggling in such deep ways. Um, they have failed to recognize the, the core issue of why it is that they're struggling. Um, the reason why they're struggling is because they're not prepared for the struggle. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, again, I know this is super foundational and basic, <laughs> but I want us to really, uh, you know, understand within this framework of living for an God in an ungodly world, how vital it is that we uh, pray and also to, you know, read the word of God. Um, we are not more spiritual than we are scriptural. Like if if we want to be spiritual and live for God in an ungodly world, we have to be scriptural. We have to have that foundation of knowing the Word of God, and not just a knowing for not not just approaching the Word of God like from a let me know facts, right? I just want to know facts about the Bible. Give me, uh, you know, uh, these historical, if I can know all the right answers to the test, right, of biblical knowledge, but approaching it from this perspective of the Word of God being what Jesus said, my necessary daily bread. Mm. It being this, like, I don't want to fill myself with so much of this world stuff that I don't have room for yeah. my necessary bread. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Eat the word of God first, mm-hmm. and then you won't crave the things of this world so much. And this, 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 this idea that we can grow in our spiritual walk with God separated from a continual diet on the word of God is just not reality. It's just not the way in which God has designed uh, our spiritual life to grow. We grow spiritually uh, in direct proportion to our eating of spiritual food, right? Um, and not just a uh, approaching of knowledge of facts, but allowing the Word of God uh, to uh, go beyond our head knowledge, but to enter and penetrate our heart and our life so that we can live for God and have a biblical worldview in the midst of an ungodly world that has an unbiblical worldview um, that has to be centered around uh, prayer and the Word of God. So our first two points, we realize where we're, we need to be looking. We mm-hmm. need to be looking mm-hmm. upon um, uh, the Word, and we need to be um, uh, having an active prayer life that's going to prepare us mm-hmm. for combating this world that we inevitably have to walk through, mm-hmm. we have to work in. And if we don't prepare, then we prepare to fail. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, and one more thing I want to just say to that is a lot of times there can be uh, this approach of guilt-based um, you know, this idea of, uh, you know, shaming people. You're not reading the word of God. You're not praying, you know, this, this, sh- and 
I don't want that to be the way that this come across. I want it to come across as this, like, uh, this is the answer. Yeah, this is what this, will help you. Yeah, uh, helping us to see and to desire the thing that will help us to live for God in an ungodly world. And so this is not a uh, not an attempt to um, you know shame or guilt, but an attempt to. Uh, move us in a direction that would be uh, helpful to living for God in an ungodly world. So the third principle uh, I'd like to point out, uh, if we want to live for God in an ungodly world, we have got to be part of a godly community of believers. Um, the truth of the matter is that... The banana that leaves the bunch gets peeled. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and turns brown and dies, right? Yeah. Uh, this, you know, um, just as I talked about uh, with their statistics out there that fewer and fewer people are reading the Word of God on a regular basis and praying, the stats show that fewer and fewer people are, who profess to be a Christian, live for Christ, are attending church on a weekly basis. Well, I think it's amazing that 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 COVID as a whole mm. was this phenomenal litmus test yeah. for who's real and who's not. Mm. Yeah. And um, uh, I've seen churches around here and then other churches that I know of. I mean, they were, their attendance, yeah. you know, six months later mm. was in half. Yeah. And it really showed me just how little mm-hmm. it took. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, that, COVID was this sure. evil, ungodly yeah. attack on the church at, at all. Yeah. But how little of a thing mm-hmm. affected churches right. so greatly. Yeah, and and I made this point then, um, and I'll make it now. Like, if a virus can do that, what will mm. true persecution do? True, real, here yeah. in America. Yeah, yeah, mm. what will it do? Uh, <laughs> I'll just tell you, honestly, I don't think it would—the It would the, the church will— disintegrate yeah honestly well the true church will Mm -hmm. remain but the size of what people think the church is you know it will yeah it because um you know the idea that uh people viewing church as a necessity is just it people people aren't viewing it that way um anymore and it's a it shows how much of an ungodly perspective was actually in the church, but that wasn't really voiced or known or seen. Well, a church is not necessity anymore. It is an additive. Right. Additive to yeah. my life. Yes. It's one of the things that I do in my week, along with mm-hmm. a thousand other things that I do in my week, that all have equal value and importance in my life. And in fact, you know, really, these other things are more important, if I have other things I've got to do instead of church, I'm going to do those things, right? And that's such a wrong perspective on what it is that we as Christians are uh, called to do and need to do if we're going to live for God in an ungodly world. We need the fellowship of believers, and uh, God has designed the church that by definition— the ch- that I am not the church as an individual, and that you as an individual are not the church, but that you and I together make up the church. Mm. And, you know, in we our— are one part of the whole. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. And that we are a body. We're not individual 
um, you know, we are individual members, but that we are connected together in such a way that that all of us are needed to work together in unity to be what we are designed to be. And, you know, we live in this individualistic world, especially in the West and America, we're very individualistic. And we view uh, ourselves as independent and as ones who uh, want to be our own person, you know, and we rely upon no one but ourselves. Right. And that is a very dangerous thing when it comes to if we want to live for God in an ungodly world, to recognize that we are not an island, that we were not designed to be alone but that we were designed to be within a f- community of believers and that uh, to be outside of that is is unhealthy and is dangerous. Um, and in a real spiritual sense, it's very, very dangerous. Um, you know, in, in our last podcast, we talked about social media, you know, and I know that because of social media, we have these uh, advantages of virtual worship, and um, you know, I think it's awesome mm-hmm. and a lot of good things. But also, there's uh, there's a danger associated with that, and I'm afraid that it can lend itself to be a trap where people feel like that because I quote unquote attended church virtually that that's the same as being within a community of fellowship of believers. It's not. Frankly, it's just not. Isn't now, it amazing how that works, though? Yeah. How, like, that we have this tool that we mm. use to help spread the gospel. Sure. That could also be a detriment to somebody. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's just a crazy paradox sure. to me that that can happen. And, and I but it s- goes back. It's not really the tool, though, that's the problem. Yeah. It's the person. Yeah. And, and I want to say, you know, there are... You know, if you're sick or if you have, you're in, uh, you know, have incapable of going to the house of God. That's what that's for. Yes. And that's awesome. That's great. It's a tool that that they wouldn't otherwise have. And to reach out to people that never would darken a door. Exactly. You know. Um, So there's lots of benefits. But for the person who uh, says, well, you know, I could attend the the fellowship of believers. Mm -hmm. But you know what? It's just easier not to. <laughs> um, that is, that's just, it's, it's just dangerous Absolutely. because you are isolating yourself um, and you are getting into a habit of, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to watch it this time. And then you turn it on and you watch it, but then you get distracted. Something else happens. You get a phone call, you know, you, or, and then I'm going to watch it. You have the intention to watch it, but you don't. You know, I'm going to go back and watch You have, you're just putting yourself in a position where you are uh, slowly but surely beginning to isolate yourself from the community of believers. And um, this, this is something that we're living in right now that, I think sometimes because it's a new thing, people aren't aware of how this might be affecting the church. And I just want to put that caution out to us that um, viewing a church service online is not a substitute for being within the fellowship of believers if you are able to do so. 
And uh, if you're not able to do so, you know, great. It's a good um, uh, tool that's available for you. But if, uh, if you are able to um, and you're choosing not to, that's just, you know, it's, it's revealing something, mm-hmm. right? I'll let you decide what that's revealing. <laughs> but it's revealing something, isn't it? Yes. Absolutely. And so um, I just want to say this. Attend church like your spiritual life depended on it. Yes. Because it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I may get pushback on this, and people may be like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But I have seen where people start with this road of, you know, moving themselves from the fellowship of believers slowly but surely, and it ending in them totally away from God. And it was just the slow progression of one step after another, them not attending church like their spiritual life depended on it, and instead viewing it as this optional thing that is um, good to do, mm-hmm. but it, it's okay if I don't do mm-hmm. it. And they get sucked into an ungodly world um, because they don't have the continual, um, you know, godly uh, work of the Spirit that happens in the church house. Yeah. Growing up in a pastor's home, I, I didn't have a whole lot of <laughs> options yeah. of whether or not I sure. attended church. But I have seen in other people's life when when mm. they didn't make it a priority, mm. and then they were surprised when their children mm. didn't make it a priority sure. at all sure. in any way. Yeah, and um, uh, it, the people that want to be there, it shows mm. in their life. Mm. I, I am reminded back to COVID when the government shut everything down, mm. and we were not allowed to gather together, and we had a first couple online only services, mm. and some photos started popping up on my Facebook feed of of members here in the church that got up. They put on their Sunday morning best. Mm. They sat down in <laughs> front of their screen, you know, and they right. had church in church clothes. Right. And to them in that moment, this was the best we can do. Right. But it is no substitute for where I want to be right now. Right. And it showed yeah. in their actions of what they wore. Sure. Not, not degrading anyone that still wore their PJs yeah. and came to Sunday morning church, <laughs> but it shows. Yeah. I think it really does. And then it bleeds out into the family. Yeah. And, and, and the thing that we're wanting to do is we want to live for God. Mm-hmm. And we recognize the fact that in this ungodly world, if we don't um, do things that will help us to live for God, that we will, uh, we will be in a, a situation where, if we're not careful, we can slowly drift into more and more ungodly actions, thought processes, uh, ways of doing things that will be damaging to not only our souls, but to those that we influence and to those around us. And so, um, as members of a body, um, if we're going to uh, live for God as a whole, we need all of us to do that together in unity. And so, if we're going to live for God in an ungodly world, we've got to recognize the importance of the fellowship of believers.
fourth and final point, mm-hmm. we, but our first one is we we decided that we're not going to be in the world. Mm-hmm. We're not going to have our heart torn back and forth. We're going to make a decision to follow God. We're going to make a decision to get in the Word. Mm-hmm. We're going to make a decision to pray and let our spirit come alive mm-hmm. again yeah. through prayer and through Scripture. And we're going to gather together as believers yeah. for encouragement, accountability, mm-hmm. and and stuff happens mm-hmm. when your brother's right beside you. Sure. That doesn't happen when you're at home. Right. But um, uh, finishing up here, what's our fourth principle we're going to try yeah. and follow? Uh, for living for God in an ungodly world, I just want to um, mention this important principle of being active in spiritual disciplines. Mm. Now, we have a whole podcast on spiritual disciplines, uh, and yes. so I won't go into great d- detail here. You can go back and listen to that. But I, I do feel like it's necessary to just mention this as a principle for living for God in an ungodly world is this idea of training yourself to for the purpose of godly living. Uh, that's what Paul told Timothy, uh, and, and he told him, he says, to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And this idea that that word discipline, um, the the Greek word gymnazo, it's where we literally get the word gym, gymnasium from. Okay. It's this idea of training yourself, of disciplining yourself for the purpose, Paul says, of godliness. So if I want to live for God, I've got to train myself to be and do things that are godly instead of what my carnal flesh wants to train myself to do is that which is ungodly. You're training something. Yes. So so would it be correct to say that spiritual disciplines are the things that we practically do each and every day to live a godly life in an ungodly world? Exactly, yeah. It's this, uh, you you know, in in a broad sense, uh, attending church is a spiritual discipline. Yes. Uh, Prayer and reading the Word of God, they're spiritual disciplines, right? Keeping your eyes... On, on on Christ and away from the things of the, those are spiritual disciplines. Uh, so each of those that I've talked about, they're 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 specific spiritual disciplines. But but from a broad sense, understanding that not just those, but other spiritual disciplines that we haven't mentioned, like fasting and and solitude, and uh, the, there's a bunch of them that we could talk about. But these spiritual disciplines, they're designed to help us to live for God in an ungodly world. And, you know, I, I, I see a lot of times this disconnect between what the Christians desire to do for God and the discipline that's required to do it. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we have this desire. We that, want to live. Yes, we want to live for God. In an ungodly world, we have this really good desire, but where the disconnect comes in is the thought that all I need is a desire, Mm. and that's just, frankly, it's just wrong that I've got to have the spiritual disciplines in order to, to have the doing Um. That I desire. Does that make sense? It does. We have to have this forward motion. Mm-hmm. Um, in Kids Church, I we've 
talked about this before and said that, you know, a shark in water, for it to survive, mm-hmm. it must keep swimming. Mm-hmm. And even when it's sleeping, it's actually moving mm-hmm. forward mm-hmm. for it to breathe mm-hmm. underwater. Well, what flows down, mm-hmm. you know, dead fish, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. flow with the current. Mm-hmm. So our spiritual life, you're saying that we must be active yeah. and moving forward, mm-hmm. following Christ, doing these things, or we're dead. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah, we, we will eventually, eventually be, be that yeah, way. Yeah, 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 for sure. And and this uh, this this idea that uh, living for God in an ungodly world will happen free from my putting forth effort and energy and uh, disciplining my body is just a myth. It's mm-hmm. just a... It is not passive. Yeah, it's not. And so if I want to be serious about living for God in an ungodly world, then I've got to be serious about discipline, spiritual disciplines. And it's one of those things that is not popular, is not, um, you know, one of those things that people want to talk about or well, well, look deal at our with. culture. We are, I mean, the microwave generation. Yeah. We want it now. We want it simple mm-hmm. and um, uh, easy and quick. We shouldn't be surprised that that has slipped over into church culture, mm-hmm. but you're saying we have to combat it. Yeah, we really do. And, and if we want to live for God, um, just the desire to live for God is not enough. Mm. And I really, I, I want to emphasize that um, because there's many people that have good desire, but if they don't do, if they don't have the action, um, they are, uh, they're, they're not going to live for God in an ungodly world. They're going to eventually fall away um, because they, they have a good desire, but they don't have, they've never learned and understood the importance of uh, disciplining yourself. And that's, that's what uh, Paul talks about uh, in telling Timothy that uh, you've got to train your uh, spiritual life to, to live godly, to think godly, to, uh, to be motivated by godly things. Because if you don't, you're going to think ungodly and be motivated by ungodly things, and you're going to be drawn away by all manner of things. And uh, yeah, just this basic idea of understanding that just having a good desire it's not enough. It's good. I'm glad we. Yeah. I want you to have a good desire, but it has to be paired. Yeah, I want us to go. Faith from, without works is is dead. dead. Yeah, yeah. And so I want us to move from having just right beliefs to having right behavior, mm-hmm. and that only comes with moving from the desire to the doing. Well, so, I encourage our listeners to go back and listen mm, to that podcast yeah. on spiritual disciplines, and we really outlined mm. what those are and how those um, work practically mm. yeah. in our life. Yeah, Please yeah. go back and listen to that. Yeah, and uh, I just want to encourage uh, us as we end this to recognize that, yes, we live in wicked times. Yes, we live in, in dark days. But we're not the first generation to have experienced this. We won't be the last. And that we can live for God in an ungodly world uh, if we follow some 
really basic, simple principles that are outlined in God's Word, um, we can do it, not in our own strength, but in the power of the Spirit working within us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Questions of Faith podcast. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing and write a review on your preferred audio platform. That would really help us out. This show was produced by Brad Stevens, theme music by the band Liquify. Questions of Faith is a ministry of Faith Tabernacle Assembly of God located in Denton, Texas. The goal of this podcast is to equip the modern-day Christian with answers to timeless questions. If you would like to submit a question that may be highlighted on the show, you may do so by emailing us. That email address is questions at ftdenton.com. You may also submit a question by messaging our Facebook page, Questions of Faith Podcast. And until next Monday, God bless.